Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The Bible's defined it doesn't need to be refined. One man, one woman for life. Pastor Mike, that's not politically correct. I don't care about the politics. It's biblically correct. And see, when we move outside of that, it's bad for us. So understand, we don't want to admit it, but we have to understand, in God's face, if I deny that I sinned, first thing I do when people come in with that kind of thing, you have to admit it was a sin. Ask God forgiveness as you're supposed to forgive. If I don't, I make God a liar. Why? Because the Word says it's a sin. John, the author of 1 John, makes it plain and simple why every Christian must be holy. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Light stands for all righteousness, purity, and truth. Darkness is sin, deception, and impurity. If Christians want to know God and walk with God, they must not deliberately choose sin over obedience. God grants forgiveness through Jesus Christ, so the goal for every Christ follower is to not be sinless, but rather to sin less. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 for our continuing study entitled, Sin Hinders Our Walk with God. Before I'm in Christ, I have a sin nature. When I come to Christ, God forgives me of my sin. That's going to happen to many of you today. You're going to finally ask God to come in and cleanse you. When I come to Christ, He forgives me of my sins. And the Holy Spirit comes to live inside me. So inside me, I have my old fleshly sin nature that says, me, 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 I, 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 I. But I have God over here who goes, no, 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 no. So inside me is this struggle. It's a struggle. How long will that struggle last? Till I get to heaven and there's no sin nature. Now, what does that look like? I'm going to read you the Apostle Paul. If we were doing the whole book of Romans, we'd spend a long time on this, but I'm going to give you the, the cliff notes today. When I read what the Apostle Paul says, I'm going to hear many of you go, Amen. Oh, well, I recognize that. Yep, that's me. That's me. This struggle is difficult. Take a look. We find it in Romans chapter 7. Paul says this. All of our campuses... And I know that nothing good lives in me apart from Christ. I know that nothing good lives in me. Can I hear an amen? Well, no, Pastor Mark, I'm a good person. Like we already covered that. See, the Bible says without Christ, there's nothing good in us. Then he goes on. Here's, here's where you're going to start to relate. That is in my sinful nature. Now, I want to do what is right, but I can't. Can I? Uh, there's very few amens. Come on now. I want to do what's right, but, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. 
I want to just let the guy that's climbing to my trunk just go right around me and go, have a blessed day. But I can't. I don't want to do what is wrong by slowing down. But I'm enjoying every moment of it. Uh, but I do it anyway. Can you, anybody relate on any of our campus of what I just did? Well, sure we can. What are all those things? Sin. Well, I don't have time, but at the end of chapter 7, by the way, it gets worse. Woo! At the end of chapter 7, Paul makes this statement. Who is going to free me from this dilemma? Chapter 8 says, Jesus, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So this battle will always be there, but Jesus came to forgive me and take that difficult thing away from me. And so you need to know two things. Just because you have an old sin nature, you have a more powerful nature in you by the name of the Holy Spirit. Write this verse down. You can look it up later, Romans 8, 13. I have the ability through the power of the Spirit, Romans 6, 7, and 8, to say no to sin and temptation. Satan is not stronger than the Holy Spirit that lives in me. Now, I have to cooperate with it. So I can say no. Absolutely. Now, the problem is, I'm human. Just like you. Sometimes I don't. So when I don't, I sin. What's the second thing I have? I have God's promise. As verse 7 and verse 9 say, I can be cleansed and forgiven. Again, we'll talk about that next week. So, Pastor Mark, what, what, are, what are you really saying? Remember this person said, I'm sinless? I'm sinless? I have perfection? And number two, he said, he said I don't have a sin nature. I, I don't need forgiveness. I was, I've always been a good person. Both of those are lies. Both deception. So you want to write this down because this is what you are the rest of your life. This is what I am the rest of my life. Notice, there are no sinless people. There are no sinless people. You won't ever arrive to a state where you never sin. That won't ever happen till you get to heaven. And second, but God has a goal for you. It's to sin less. You got it? You'll never be sinless, but we're to sin less. The more I know God, the more I know His Word is good for me, I want to sin less. So as you mature in your walk, you will never be perfect. I'd like to say to you today, as that guy said, well, there's some hypocrites in the church. Hello. We're not perfect. You've seen the sign many times, haven't you? God's not finished with me yet. Amen. But don't use that as an excuse. Well, God's not finished with me. I'll just do whatever I want to do. No, no, no. We already covered that. You can't do that. Then you're not even a believer. So I will never get to the place that I don't need First John 1, 9 if we confess our sins. I'll never get there. I need it. But I want to learn to grow. Now go back to First John. First John 1, 10. We come up with the third one. This is an interesting one. And this could be taken by a person that's not a believer, or it could be taken by a person that is a believer. Notice 1 John 1.10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. Isn't it amazing if this is a believer, if this believer says, they can convince themselves that even though they've sinned, it's okay. 
And they really haven't sinned. They can even lie to themselves and say, my relationship is fine. Not the Holy Spirit's convicted me to do that, but I really didn't do that. So here's the danger, the wrong belief, number three, write it down. After we have sinned, the, the wrong belief, the wrong action is to rationalize it or deny it. You see, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of a sin, to go out and deny that immediately causes a problem in the believer. Because what's going to happen is your heart's going to get harder. And pretty soon I don't really care about sinning. You don't want to go there. Now, instead of admitting our sin and confessing it, we deny that we've sinned. We make excuses for it. We blame others. Now, nobody wants to admit they've sinned. If you ever get pulled over by one of our faithful police people, and you're in a 35 zone and you're driving 50, when the officer opens, asks you to put down your window and show your license, what's the first thing our sin nature says? Well, your clock thing, uh, you clocked me how much? No, that couldn't be. It's 35 mile an hour zone. You didn't clock me going 50. I might have been going 36. <laughs> Why are you laughing? So I don't want to admit it. Do you want to admit it? No, we don't want to admit it. Let me give you an illustration. It goes back a long time ago. When Adam and Eve sinned, God came to them. Did they admit their sin? What did Adam say? It's that lousy woman you gave me. <laughs> what did the woman say? Satan made me do it. Now, there's a guy, goes back a few, those of you that are older will understand the young ones, you'll be clueless, but you'll get it in a moment. A guy named Flip Wilson. You remember Geraldine? Geraldine! Finish it with me. The devil made me do it. Ever use it? Now, the devil can't make you, he can tempt you, but he can't make you do it. I give in to it. But see, that, that's what happens. As adults, we don't want to admit. As children, we don't want to admit we did it. But this scripture says we're, we're, if we deny that we sin, then we make God a liar. Because his word tells us we're to confess it when we're convicted. So this, this was for Christians a, a big time. Now, the reason we have trouble with that is the enemy doesn't want us to walk in relationship with God. Sin hurts our fellowship with God. In your marriage, if there's a, a problem with a husband and wife, in that marriage, you're going to stay married, but if there's unforgiveness and stuff, that affects our relationship. It's the same with God. And so there comes a time when you and I begin to think about this, that we realize we have the enemy against us, Satan, he likes to lie to us. I have my old sin nature against me, big time. I. But there's a world system that wants to squeeze me into a different mindset. Let me share with you how the world system redefines the word sin. You won't hear the word sin very often on any kind of TV. Here's something from the Bible. Drunkenness, getting stone drunk, is a sin. But today we hear this. No, I just have a weakness that I drink too much. You won't hear the word sin. Here's a big one. In the scriptures, we know this for a fact. 
Adultery is absolutely a sin. There's no way you can ever dilute that. It's a sin. Sleeping together before you're married, it's a sin. You can't dilute that. Having a homosexual relationship, lesbian relationship, it's a sin. You can't dilute it. Stealing is a sin. You can't dilute it. Envy is a sin. Anger is a sin. I looked up the definition in a dictionary of adultery. I want you to see it. It's amazing to me. Look at what the definition is. You won't find sin anywhere in the definition. Look what it says. Extramarital affair. Affair. Cheating. A fling. Hanky-panky. Infidelity. Playing around. Now that looks really good up there. Why, why do we never see the word sin? We know that the wages of sin is... Is that Satan says, no, I'm not going to call that sin. It's just an affair. Now, I want you to look at those words for a minute, and I want you to be very quiet at all the campuses. I want to show you how devastating stupid this is for us. Affair, a fling, hanky-panky, playing around. Those of you that are married and have had adultery in your marriages. By the way, we have tons of people who've had committed adultery but they've been restored. Their families are together. They're, they're going forth. God can heal anything. Relax. But after you've gone through this, the adultery, would you say in your life, well, it was just playing around. It was kind of a hanky-panky thing. It was no big deal. Really? I've never counseled anybody who's gone through an affair that ever used those words. It was devastating. It was a death. It destroyed trust that took years to get back, let alone what happened to the children. Would you say adultery is playing around and it's just a fling and it doesn't affect anybody? That's what the world says. See, that's the world. By the way, the world's already redefined marriage for us. The Bible's defined it doesn't need to be refined. One man, one woman for life. Pastor Mike, that's not politically correct. I don't care about the politics. It's biblically correct. And see, when we move outside of that, it's bad for us. So understand, we don't want to admit it, but we have to understand, in God's face, if I deny that I sinned, first thing I do when people come in with that kind of a thing, you have to admit it was a sin. Ask God forgiveness, ask your spouse to forgive. If I don't, I make God a liar. Why? Because the Word says it's a sin. The Bible needs to have effect in my life. Now, let me just stop for a moment. And say this quickly. For Christians, what, what I want to remind you is keep a short list of sins. Keep a short list. Keep your heart soft. Because the enemy wants to make it big. Now, I'm not suggesting that when we live, every morning we get up, we have a list of 4,000 sins. You can't remember them. By the way, most of our sins are sins of omission. We fail to do what is right. We never even think about that. Treat others as we treat ourselves. We never even think about that. We just think about don't do this and don't do that or whatever. Most of them are omission. So I'm not saying to be sin conscious. But I'm saying when the Holy Spirit convicts you, admit it, confess it, get free, move on. Pretty much that's going to be kind of a daily deal for us. I do it quite often in the morning in my quiet time. Just a little part of my quiet, very short part of my quiet time. But during the day, if I do something wrong, then I just ask God to forgive me. So I'm, I'm not going around with a, a sin consciousness all day. 
That, where's the freedom in that? I've already been forgiven, but I need to admit it because sometimes it's very humbling, isn't it? Now, next. John was writing to people who didn't understand this picture. Look at this picture. This is the picture of being in relationship with God, following Jesus Christ. See, if, you, if, if you've never come to Christ, you're not in this picture because your sins separate you from a holy God. Now, as we begin to think about that, in our world today, John says, you want to know that you know that you know that you know. John was warning people who had wrong beliefs. They thought they were believers. They thought they were following Jesus. But he said all the way through there, no, 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 no. You can't live any way you want. Say you're following me. That's impossible. It's impossible. So simply get right with God. You can't have a pattern of sin. You've never sinned. What are you kidding me? You don't have a sin nature? No, you're wrong. Admit it. Get it right. Now, let me ask you a question. Does it really matter what we believe when it comes to this? Why would John write this? Why did God ask him to write it? Because he wanted people like you and me to know what it means to really be saved and how to do life. And we can't be deceived into all of these kind of things. I can be a Christian. I came to the altar, accepted Christ. I went through the one-on-one. I served at the picnic yesterday. And I'm living in sin. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. You don't have a relationship with God. Does it really matter? Yeah, it matters. One day Jesus wrote, A pretty difficult passage. I want you to see it. Jesus, of all people, loved sinners. He loved to see them get right, but they had to admit they were in sin. Jesus says this in Matthew 7. All of our campuses, listen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is saying someday at the end when we go to that Time after death, when people say, well, I'm ready to come in, I call you Lord, Lord. He says, not everybody that calls me Lord, Lord. You can say whatever you want, but notice, but only he who does the will of my Father is in heaven will be entered in. What is the will of God? The will of God is very simple. The will of God is to obey the Word of God. Now, is anybody here going to stand this morning and any of our campuses say, I obey the Word of God perfectly? No, you won't. You know better than that already. No. But my my goal is to obey the Word of God. When I don't, I ask forgiveness. And I move on. I don't have a sin consciousness. I want peace and joy. I want all of that. And then, then he says this. Then I will tell them plainly. So these people think they're believers. But they're not. Then he says to them, I tell them plainly. I never knew you. Oh, you knew us. We did all these good things. No, no, I I never had a relationship. Of course I know you. But I never had a relationship with you. You call me Lord, but you don't do what I say. And here's the words you never want you or your friend or your relative or your neighbor to hear. And rarely will you hear this talked about. Here's the words you don't want to ever hear. Away from me, you evildoers. What does that say? You're separated from me now forever. In a place called hell. I don't want to ever hear that. That's why I teach this message this morning. So, Pastor Mark, I don't really like the message. I don't like it either. But it's truth. I need to hear it. You need to hear it. And our world needs to hear it. And I said the very same thing to the flight attendant on the flight. You say, well, it's, it's really harsh. No, it's really love. Does wrong belief really matter? Yes, it does. 
I need to know the truth. And the truth is, I can solve that. That's what the whole book of 1 John is about. Know that you know that you know that you know. You see, lots of people call Jesus their Lord, but they don't obey him. They're deceiving themselves about their eternal destination. It's time to start walking in the truth. It's time that you know that you are really a follower of Christ. On your best day, you'll never be good enough. You're not sinless. You can't say, I said a few words and I live how I want. You are not a believer. Is there a cure for our sin? Yes, there is. Take a look at this verse. You know it by heart. For the wages of sin is death, physical and spiritual, separated from God forever. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. See, you can't get free, but you can be free. And what you have to do? Four things. You have to admit you're a sinner. You have to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Next, you have to ask forgiveness and be sorry enough to change your lifestyle. And then invite him in, receive the gift, and begin following Jesus. I want many of us at our campuses this morning to do that. And I'm going to do something very quickly that I want you to help me with at all of our campuses. In a moment, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray. And here's what I want you to do. As you're praying, you pray for the neighbor, the friend, the person in front of you, behind you, that God will speak to their heart. See, some of you have never started walking with God. Today, you finally realize it's not about religion, it's not about good works, it's about a relationship. And you have never asked him to come. I want you to do that. Second, some of you are backslidden. You had a walk with God. You walked away, you disobeyed, you rebelled, and you've discovered it's miserable. And you want to come. Now, I want you to look at me one more reason. I want to say this. When God designed you, he designed you to walk with him. From that walk comes peace. Shalom, joy, hope, ongoing forgiveness, a God who cares, a future, guarantee of heaven, and most of all, an abundant life here. Satan doesn't want any of that to happen. To have it happen, it's been paid for. You have to receive it. So in a moment, when we bow our heads, I'm going to ask you to stand all over and every campus. And then I'm just going to pray for you right in your seat. After I get done praying for you, at the end of the service, I want you to walk right down here and I'm going to be here. I want to shake your hand. I want you to give me your name. And I'm going to congratulate you because you made the greatest decision of your life. See, we have to acknowledge this. This isn't something we do secret. Every person Jesus Christ called, he called public. When he called Peter John, they just got out, left the boats and started following him. It's, it's not something to be embarrassed about. That's the way we all start. It's the greatest lifestyle in all the world. Sin has long-lasting effects. Sometimes it's physically harmful. Sometimes it's a devastating pain that takes years to heal. The world tries to trivialize sin in our lives. But God tells us not to sin because He loves us and wants to protect us from the pain of our own sin. Scripture says to begin the healing process of our sin, we must admit it to God and sometimes to others. This will begin the restoration of relationships. 
You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark teaches on a four-letter word that makes some of us cringe. O-B-E-Y. Obey. Just hearing that word can make some of us turn the radio off. But God tells us to obey for our own good. He doesn't want us to be robots just obeying every command. He wants us to obey because we love Him. We obey because we know Him and spend time in His Word. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear Your 